You know, Jesus said that my mother and brothers are those who do the will of God. And I believe some people say, well, you know, that didn't, didn't. I believe that shows the importance of the body of Christ. I believe that shows that Jesus is wanting everybody to become saved, come into the kingdom, come to the knowledge of the truth. And then he puts an emphasis on that because this is family. This is family. We are brothers and sisters. We are moms and dads, children, however you want to look at it. Just however piece that you are, you fit in very well. And we're so glad to have special guests today. I'm so glad you took this time out to rejoice with mom and, and rejoice with us. Praise God. Well, in the you know, normal deal of me trying to cut a couple of jokes at front, I'm staying away from Mother's Day jokes because I just don't want to get in trouble, okay? So I'm just going to give you regular secular jokes. Uh, they're all clean, though. Uh, the school called me today and said that my son has been telling lies. I told them he was very good at it because I don't have any kids. <laughs> I thought Kelly would like that one. Uh, this is for some of you people over 25. Some of my friends exercise every day. Meanwhile, I'm watching a show I don't like because the remote fell on the floor. <laughs> don't anybody say, oh, me. <laughs> don't, don't dare say it. <laughs> Are you thinking 200? Yeah. Amen. Can you see it? Yeah. Amen. Praise God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this very special time together. We thank you, Lord God, for your blessings upon your word. Holy Spirit, would you show each person exactly what you want them to hear today? And we'll give you the praise and the glory and receive it now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to talk today the story of three mothers. Okay? Three mothers. There's many, many other mothers in the Bible uh, there's many mothers in our lives today. Some of them are very visible and some are pretty much invisible, but they're there. And without them, none of us would be here. <laughs> Somebody got that, okay. Uh, hallelujah. <laughs> but we're going to talk about, like I say, the, uh, the story of three mothers. The first mother we'll talk about is Sarah. Sarah as in Sarah and Abraham. Uh, there was a prophecy that God gave Abraham and Sarah about that their children would be more than the stars in the sky, more than the sand on the seashore. That's a lot of kids. Makes Mother Hubbard look kind of small, doesn't it? So that prophecy was taken with kind of a, a shock and awe effect. What? And, of course, at that particular time, they were like 75 and 65. And nothing happened for a long time. Uh, Sarah was barren, the Bible says, unable to have a child. And they made this mistake of uh, Sarah told, well, take your handmaiding out there and have some fun and uh, we'll get a child. And uh, that's what they did. And uh, that gives us a representation of the child of the flesh. My plans, your plans, not God's plans. 
and that name was Ishmael. And Ishmael was growing up, and there were some problems there that came up because of that, and some animosity. And Sarah basically said, you need to get rid of them. And Abraham said, no, 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 that's my son. And she says, you need to get rid of them. And God told Abraham to obey her. Well, we go along years later. Now Sarah's about 90, and Abraham's about 100. And Brother Phil will be here in a little bit. He's 100, so we give him rep- get a representation from that. Amen. <clears throat> and, but something else happened along the ways. Sarah changed her name to Sarah. And reading from a particular reference that I have, the former name, Sarah, appears to be derived from the same root as the name Israel. Uh, if indeed, then it is intended as an etymology of Israel. In other words, when Jacob struggles, that's what Israel means. Jacob struggled with God. This would mean that she that is she that strives. Now, there's some meaning here that goes beyond our normal thinking and realizing, my gosh, she was a contentious person. Now, sometimes holiness can be contentious. You can ask any mama about that. Sarai was the name that this woman brought from Mesopotamia. On the other hand, there can be little doubt that the name Sarah, which she received when her son was promised, means princess, for it is the feminine form of the extremely common title used by the Semites to designate a ruler of greater or lesser work. A princess, a prince is, princess is above many, 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 many people, but still below, okay, the king or queen. Now, we read in Genesis 17, 15, then God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarah, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless you, and I will bless her, and indeed I will give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. That's a pretty big term. A mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. She's going to establish kings for generations after generations after generations. Now watch how man of faith Abraham reacts. Verse Genesis 17, 17. Then Abram, Abraham fell on his face and laughed. Oh, you great man of faith. And said in his heart, he was a smart guy, will a child be born to a man 100 years old? And will Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? Now realize that this prophecy had gone on years ago, 25 years ago, and now God's refreshing it and renewing it because they ain't got it yet. Okay? And Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Okay, we still got the mind of Adam and Eve here. Yeah, this, I've already got it, Lord. It's all cool. No problem. But Ishmael did not come from her. Ishmael came from the handmaiden. 
But God said, no, but Sarah, your wife, will bear a son, and you shall call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. When God says everlasting, if you look it up in the Hebrew, it means everlasting. It means without end. It will go on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Everlasting. He promised, the Lord promised, that he would build, have a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He renewed it on those different generations. And that was the foretelling of the Jewish nation, which is the foundation for Christianity. We came out of Judaism, if you didn't know that. So they just don't know that Messiah's already come. But my goodness gracious, an everlasting covenant. Kings of nations will come from you. She's 90 years old. He's 100. Yet they can still have some fun, praise God. So Abraham begged God to use Ishmael. Remember that Abraham was righteous already, according to what we read in Romans. Sarah had been in unbelief all these years. And now Abraham was getting to be that way. But this covenant was hugely important. God had several covenants, about seven of them, possibly eight, through the Bible. And the covenant of Abraham is still in effect. He's the father of our faith. And Romans is real clear on that, especially Romans 4. Abraham learned to call those things that be not as though they already were. But now let us look at the importance of Sarah. Hebrews 11.11 says, and by faith, even Sarah. You know, Hebrews chapter 11 is what we call the hall of faith. All the people of faith are, are mentioned in there, and not all of them, I should say, but there are a lot of people of faith throughout the Old Testament that were mentioned in Hebrews 11. Okay, when it comes to Sarah, Hebrews 11, 11, and by faith Sarah, who was past childbearing age, how many of you know 90s past childbearing age? Okay, was enabled, or some translations say believed, to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. So Sarah has now getting into faith. If Sarah hadn't got into faith, this deal wouldn't have happened. How many of you all know it takes two? We, anybody want 10th grade biology? They're trying to make it five-year-old biology now. Are you still with me? Okay. It's so important that we realize that it takes a partnership to perform the things of family. And by faith, Sarah believed God just like Abraham had believed God. And they put their faith together. And the outcome was 
this huge promise of God for an everlasting covenant that kings would come and that kings, the king, would come in the flesh. The king, King Jesus, would come through the lineage physically as the Holy Spirit impregnated Mary. This is a lot more to it than what we realize sometimes. This is so important that somebody basically, what, 4,000 years ago, close to it, between 3,500 and 4,000 years ago, that you're dependent on what they did. You are dependent as a Christian on what they did. That God wanted to get His plan in the earth, and this was part of it. And this is a big step here from Abraham, who was a devil worshiper. Yes, pagan worship. (coughs) But God spoke to him, and he obeyed God. And he didn't even know where he was going when he obeyed God. Now, some of you get a little nervous if you don't have all the facts in front of you. And that's not called faith. That's called knowledge. Mm, Yep. So sometimes God doesn't tell you everything that's going to happen. He didn't tell Abraham when he's worshiping that idol, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Abraham would have, <laughs> you know, no telling what he would have done. He might have turned out, run out the back door. Who knows? But God will give you enough for, for you to be able to obey, and then he will walk you through the process, and that's part of the journey. That's part of the reality of the walk with Jesus Christ. We don't have it all, folks, but He does. And when we walk with Him and let Him walk in us, lead us, guide us, teach us, train us, mentor us, the Holy Spirit, everything that we need. And when we agree with God, the seed of God, the Word of God, will be impregnated into the people that we share with. It will be impregnated in us first because the Word of God is alive. It's powerful. And everything in it contains everything that God wants us to have. God is a God of multiplication. He doesn't have an adding machine. He has a calculator. He wants to multiply the things that He's done. He has a plan and purpose through the ages. Not just for yesterday, not just for today, but He's already got the plan for tomorrow. He's outside of space, time, and matter, and he already has the things planned. It's a matter, will I walk on the direction that he gives me, or I'll get over here and I need another television show. Uh, I need another beer. I need another this or another. No, you don't need anything except Jesus. Remember that song we sang? Jesus, only Jesus. Well, that's, that's not practical, Brother Dan. Yeah, it is. It's the most practical thing you'll ever come against. Jesus is the most practical being that lives. We just don't quite get it. We just get a part of it. (laughs) Now, I'm not getting on anybody's toes this morning. This is a word of encouragement. Get out of yourself so you can get into the things of God. Mm, Say that again. Get out of yourself so you can get into the things of God. He has got your back. He has got you covered. He is the most so far out in His love for you and His plan for you 
And we just kind of hesitate sometimes because it doesn't look like that's, you know, what I think. Just like Abraham and Sarah had no idea that God's going to do this with them. And it stretched them. And when we read the Old Testament, we, that New Testament tells us actually we're seeing types and shadows. In other words, we wouldn't have done any better than Abraham or Sarah. But Sarah should be an example to the fact that she jumped on with the plan of God. And there are certain things that were in their lives that she wanted to get rid of so the plan of God could come to pass. Like uh, Ishmael. Yeah. Get out of the things of the world so you can get into the things of God. Get out of the things of me so I can get into things of him. That's a lot easier said than done because we struggle dying to our little selves. There are moms all over this world that have died themselves to take care of that baby. And sometimes those babies are 20, 30 years old, moving right along. We wonder how many times it's the mother who keeps the dad from missing God concerning their children. Now for our continued Mother's Day tribute, we will have the second mother, one I've already mentioned. This just gets better. This is about Mary, the mother of Jesus, physical mother of Jesus. Brother Lester Summerall said back in the 80s one time, he said, the Catholics have made way too much of Mary, and the Protestants haven't made enough. Luke 126. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. God had this thing so stinking planned out and put into time. The Bible says when the fullness of time came, then Jesus was made manifest in the flesh. Do you think of all the things he had to put together? Oh, my goodness. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Can you imagine this little teenage girl having an angel? You know, those dudes are bad. You know, they don't, they don't make uh, naked baby angels flying around with a bow and arrow. That's stupid. I mean, Cupid. These angels are, how else could I say it? They're badass guys. They're big. They're strong. The muscles are popping on their muscles on the muscles. They're spiritual machines. And here's Gabriel saying that, and, and we see many times in, in the Bible where an angel like Gabriel or Michael appear, and the people just fall down, boom, because of their presence. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of those people had wet pants. You know, an angel comes in and gives you, hey, Mary, you're awesome. You're fantastic. You're so cool, girl. And Mary goes, but this was a promise to her. Verse 29, 
Mary was greatly troubled at his words. When it says troubled, it means uh, a little anxious here. And wonder what kind of a greeting this might be. <laughs> the guy at the door is not really from uh, Publisher Clearinghouse. <laughs> He's only nine years old, okay? But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. That's the underestimate of the year. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. The kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And then Mary goes, how will this be, she asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who has said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be according to your word. Then the angel left her. Mary did not hesitate to be connected to the promise. It took Sarah 25 years, which is better than a lot of us would do. But Mary took it instantly. She received. And part of this was probably the fact that she was innocent. Uh, I read about six or seven different uh, Bible scholars, commentaries, etc. How old is Mary when she gave birth to Jesus? Of these collection of sources... The one that said that she the the one that said that she was the oldest was sixteen. It varied from twelve to sixteen. So let's just say she was fourteen. It's pretty young, and that's long before the internet. So she was she was innocent. She was special. She was betrothed to quite a bit older man. We don't know a lot about Joseph really after Jesus' birth. A few little things, but not much. He may have been two or three times her age. Who knows? But Mary's the one that stands out. And stands out to me as the mom that God had ordained who would be the physical, fleshly mom of the Son of God, the Son of Man, the God Most High the one whose throne would be established forever, the one we talked about last week when we gave so many different descriptions all rolled into one about who he is, what the Bible says about him. It's, it's hard for us to even put ourselves in place as much as we try to realize the importance of Mary, another mother. And she had other children later through Joseph. Uh, one of them, James, the oldest boy, uh, I'm not sure he was the oldest child, he's the oldest boy for sure. I mean, he, he, had the, he was pastoring the church in Jerusalem. And he's one of the ones that we use to prove the accuracy 
of the Word of God because he was, he, he was um, such a, at first, he didn't believe anything. He, he didn't believe it. <laughs> My older brother's not God. He just didn't believe it. He was, he was like Paul. He was on the opposite end of the spectrum, so to speak. And what we realize as we go through this is that he turned around at, after the resurrection. He turned around and was a man of God, wrote the book of James, the New Testament Proverbs, so to speak. And he shared the the pastorate of the largest church probably in the world at that time, and then passed it on. Great, great thing, a great man of God. And when you have a skeptic as somebody that hates God and turns into a God lover, then you've got a real witness for what a conversion to Christianity takes. That's one reason I believe that C.S. Lewis was so popular and still is because he was a, an atheist, not just an agnostic. He was an atheist, but he could not refute the things that are available for anyone who wants to search. Praise God. Okay. She receives the word of the angel. She receives being the recipient of the physical birth of Jesus as the Holy Spirit did his part. Can you imagine 14 years of age? I mean, she could have been put away. That was the custom. A pregnant 13 or 14-year-old, not married yet. But Joseph was an honorable man, played his part, and he allowed the Lord to do it, his part. In other words, what I'm trying to say here is it's important that the couple came together in agreement to be able to host the Son of God. That's what I'm saying. Stop for a minute. What would look, that look like today? There's a lot of things going on about abortion because of this new leak of the uh, Supreme Court. Most people don't even understand what the leak's saying. But it's, it gives great hope that we would celebrate life rather than death in our country. At least it'll put it back at the state's level. And we live in a state that has no problem believing for life. There are many other states that don't. And I just want to say this little snippet. Mothers, thank you for bringing your children to life. And there may be some people in this room that have had abortions. I, I don't know. Somebody on YouTube listening has had an abortion. It's like any other sin. You ask God to forgive you, and only He can cleanse you, and only He can heal your, your heart, your mind, and everything connected with it. And that's important that we reach out and receive people like that and help them pray with them, do whatever's necessary for them to be able to receive healing because that's what Jesus is all about. He is about healing and he's about life. And we need to understand 
that we have an important part to play in all of this, in the abortion issue. And I didn't even really plan on getting on this, but I think I need to. That the second of conception, there's a brand new human person that is conceived, born, made. They have their own independent DNA. Science agrees with that. Now, people have, they're all over the board, and I'm not going to get into all the other stuff that's along with it. But this has been part of the curse on this country for the last 50 years. And we need to celebrate life. And if there's a young girl that's pregnant, we need to help do whatever's necessary to support her and do whatever's necessary to connect her to the right people to help her to be able to provide for that child. And I don't say that lightly. I mean it. Whatever is necessary is what we'll do. Life is important. It's made in the image of God. And to protect innocent life is extremely important because innocent life can't take care of itself. So we have to be the ones to do that. And God's placed us here with that responsibility and that authority to be able to get involved in situations like this. So there's no condemnation or anybody in the past of what's happened in Christ Jesus, we have a new, brand new start. And there's a lot of people that have made this mistake basically because they didn't understand it. They didn't give a choice. That's the reason when they see a sonogram, the chances of them having an abortion are greatly diminished because that's a human being. And Right now, our country is going to go through a lot of strain and struggle over this because there's some people that are standing against it and making demonstrations, and it's not very nice the things they're doing and saying. I don't want to get into that stuff either. But people are ignorant of the truth. They're ignorant of God's plan, and they're ignorant of the way that God will help provide for that child believing in that person, having a child, believing in that child. Tim Tebow is a good example. The doctor tried to get his mom to abort him because of some deformity, supposedly. <laughs> Played professional baseball and football. Not too bad. Super Bowl, you know, not, not bad. There's a, a list that, uh, I, I didn't look this up to give it to you, but it's like there was a college professor one time said, what about this pregnant girl that's had all these children before, eight or nine children, and she, it's, they, they live in dire poverty, and she has syphilis. The baby will probably be born with it. And goes on, so the baby will probably be blind. Goes on and on and on. What would you do? And the, the class raises their hands. He said, congratulations, you just killed Beethoven. That's a true story. So we never know, and I praise God for the mothers that have struggled. They've had problems, issues trying to raise their kids. It's not a perfect world, but today we bless you and we say amen for your perseverance. And that baby who may be still a baby or may be grown or whatever, it's worth it. It's worth it. He or she's worth it. He or she has a lineage to, to leave, to go on. And so we should 
stand in the Lord and the power of His might and knowing that He will supply all the needs that are met. People really have abortions because it's more convenient. We need to pray, and we need to keep our eyes and ears open, folks. Okay. Brother Dan, you shouldn't be so heavy on Mother's Day. I'm not heavy, I'm truthful. Let's jump back to an earlier time, still talking about Mary. Genesis 3. Did you know that Mary was in Genesis 3? Genesis 3.14, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl in your belly and you'll eat dust all the days of the rest of your life. <laughs> That's you, devil. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He's not talking about snakes here, is he? He will crush your head, Jesus. He will crush your head, devil, and you will strike his heel. Because that's what I want done. Back in Genesis, this prophetic word God gave that will not fail. And he said, there is going to be a woman who will crush your head. And the seed of that woman will more than take care of you, devil. And he could have gone on and said, he will conquer death. He will make an experience for people to receive the living Spirit of God. He will lead and guide and teach people. And He will be my plan that I will work my salvation through for the people that I have made my plan with human, human beings. Mary was that woman in Genesis 3.15. I will put in me between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. So Mary made the book of Genesis. Next, she was instrumental in Jesus performing his first miracle. John 2, 1. On the third day a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Jesus said, Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus said, My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. <laughs> that sounds like a mom, doesn't it? She already knows what's going to happen. She already knows what her son is going to do. She already knows that his time has come. It's time for him to start doing his work. Mary was at the cross, John 19, 25, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. They had all the Marys there. They had a merry time. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, the disciple that Jesus loved in the book of John is always John, he said to her, woman, Here's your son. And to the disciple, here's your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his house. Isn't this cool? John was 
probably the youngest of all the disciples, apostles, probably a teenage boy, probably didn't have parents. Who knows for sure? But he probably didn't. And, and John was in a situation that he needed a spiritual mom. And Jesus supplied that. And Mary had her needs met by God. See, God uses all of us to bring a blessing out. He, he blesses you to bless somebody. Who gets blessed? Well, sometimes I think I get more blessed for blessing people than they get sometimes. Because it's the nature of God. It's better to give than receive. God does these things so we all can have an abundance. Abundance of joy. Abundance of love and peace. And it's good. It's exciting. And his mother was taken care of. And John had a spiritual mom now so they could work together for the kingdom of God. I contend to you today that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was the very first disciple. She did things extraordinarily well. She was chosen to raise the Son of God. There are many mothers. Oh, yeah, number three, Dan. Thank you. The third mother. The third mother is one of a lot of people. The third mother is not just one lady. The third mother is the mother that you're familiar with, whether it be your physical mom, spiritual mom. Maybe it's a mom in the church who gives a witness. Maybe it's your next-door neighbor. I don't know. Maybe it's somebody else. But hopefully you have a mom. Hopefully you have an older female to be able to speak into your life. Hopefully you rejoice in that and you thank God for her. Maybe you're like me when uh, I was being raised. I had a great mom and two great-grandmothers. It doesn't get any better. God was foremost in all their lives. And I got love, nurture, and correction. Still feel a few of those. (laughs) Muchly needed and earned. We praise God for mothers. We praise God for those who take the Word of God seriously, literally, and abundantly, and demonstrate that to come alongside of us guys to help us get through things. God uses women, great women, and many times they don't even realize how great they are. Many times they're out of the scene. Many times they're behind things but they're praying. They're speaking the Word of God over us. They're believing for us, watching out for us. Oh, I tell you what, what would I do without two great-grandmothers and a great mom? I had a, 
I was abundantly blessed. My mom lived to be 101. And even to the last, I remember when she was in pain laying there in her bed a couple of months before she passed. She was just saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And it's like, you know, my mom saved. <laughs> yeah, she was saved to the bone. She raised up this preacher boy, even when he didn't want to be that. Her prayers caught me sooner or later. Set me up straight. And I praise God for that. My grandmother who used to watch Oral Roberts back in the 50s and go over to her house on Sunday afternoon and watch Oral Roberts put that. He's got a hand about that big, I think. He just puts it on somebody's head. It comes from the eyebrows all the way over the back. <laughs> and I saw crutches thrown away and all kinds of things healed and happened at his ministry. My grandmother was connected with that ministry. Little Catholic lady. At, and she converted to Methodism, but, you know, <clears throat> I say that with respect all along this life. There's different steps in our lives that God takes us through to help us. Some of us need more help than others. That's the reason God has a very large foot. I also have experienced that one. Praise God. I am marveled at the women in the church. And they come alongside that younger girl to help her, to mentor her, to speak into her life, to be able to speak life over her, to pray for her, to be there for her, to assist her. That's a very biblical sign of teaching those that are younger than what we are. I praise God for that, and I know that all the guys in here do too. And all you women get to praise God for the, the women in your lives too. It's not just us guys that need help. <clears throat> Thanks, Chris, for smiling. I, I always look at, when I need a smile, I look at Chris. <laughs> and you, Pastor Kelly. The three women. Sarah, what a model. Mary, the first disciple. And then the other one. Maybe there's two or three or four or five other ones in your life. I hope there is. You say, well, my mama had a lot of problems. Well, welcome to the world. But praise God, she got you here. Amen. And into this day and time, it's a pretty good thing. Hallelujah. Come on, Chris. Keep on smiling. Amen. Praise God. I want you to know the church of tomorrow, as we think 200, God is doing something special here who we can go out and reach people and talk to them and shake hands with them and give them a hug and give them uh, encouragement. Pray for people. Give to them. You don't have to expect anything in return. But give to them. I know you're a giving group. I've seen it happen too many times. I just want to encourage you to continue to do that. Do not grow weary in well-doing, okay? Because that's planting Jesus in the lives of people around. Or it's sowing 
uh, watering seeds. Amen. What do I need to do? Take off my jacket and run around the room three times? Let's stand up. Glory to God. Be sure and hang around, shake hands, talk to somebody, meet them. Say, hey, I don't know you. You don't know me. Let's, let's find out who's who. That'll be the Church of Tomorrow's Who's Who collection. Um, Pastor Kelly, you want to come up? Do you want him standing up or you want him to sit down? I had him stand up too early, didn't I? That's a good idea. Yeah. Father, we thank you for Pastor Dan. We thank you for the word that was given today. The Father, that it goes into good soil, Father. And the Father, that it produces good fruit, Father. We thank you, Father, for our mothers. We thank you for everything about their lives. And we just thank you for the sacrifice. We bless you and thank you for them. And thank you for the word in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And you may be seated. But I do want to uh, share with everyone um, scripture that uh, I was thinking on uh, was found in Matthew chapter 6, verse uh, 26, and later on in verse 38. You know, sometimes you read one verse, and then uh, at another time you read another verse, and then you realize that they're all part of the same thing. Okay? Uh, <clears throat> I was awakened this morning, and one of the songs that came into my heart um, uh, is the song, and I know that he watches me, his eyes on the sparrow. And another uh, song was even in my dream last night. I can't remember that dream, that song, but then uh, his eyes on the sparrow was uh, in my heart as I woke up. And it says in Matthew six twenty six, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they are? And then just a few verses later, it says, So give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. It's about giving. And if God's going to be able to give to those sparrows and take care of them, how much more will he take care of us? And therefore, we can give abundantly. Everyone say abundantly. abundantly. Look at those mothers and say, what an abundant life, okay, that you've given me, mom. Hallelujah. Abundance. And, and look at our heavenly father. He's given us abundant life. And out of that abundance, we can give abundantly. Hallelujah. Just to, uh, remember how we give here, you know, the ways on, on the, uh, behind me on the screen. As well as the envelope in the back, okay, at the drop box. Uh, just, just remember the power of giving. Amen? Hallelujah. Um, we've got new invite cards. I've actually got a couple of them right here. Okay. Are we thinking 200, everybody? I said, are we thinking 200? Okay. Here are some uh, newer cards that have come out. Grab about 10 of them, okay, and then make a decision in your heart. I'm going to uh, take care of those 10 and pass them out, okay, to different people, okay? And so uh, just uh, take care of that. And remember, think 200, think 200, think 200, think 200, okay? Uh, what's 100 plus 100? 
Uh-huh. What's 50 times 4? Oh, my goodness. My math teacher skills are coming out. <laughs> and you're answering right. Good. Wonderful. <laughs> Wednesday at 7 p.m. Everyone say Wednesday at 7. It's part two of our series on kingdom entrepreneurship, and it's been amazing. The first session was magnificent. Come out for number two, three, and four. Uh, done by Tim Brown. Tim Brown, where art thou? Oh, right there. <laughs> That's what lights do for me. <laughs> um, if you hear your name, please stand. Kenneth Williams. Now, Monica, I don't think, is here. LaVon Stewart. Okay, and don't forget Monica. Okay, these are our birthday buddies this month, in the month of May. And I'm going to sing. Oh, and I was supposed to say, if we missed you, please let us know. So who else? Oh, BJ, please stand. Oh, yay. And I'm going to get my rousing rendition of the happy birthday song, okay? Uh, it's not like the old-fashioned one. This is your birthday song. It isn't very long. Amen. <laughs> uh, and to end this morning, uh, we still have quite a few women, uh, Mother's Day bouquets in the back. So if you're a mother who has not been able to get one, okay, I want you to make sure that you get to the back and get your Mother's Day bouquet. But then any others, okay, if you have some mothers that are around you that you think uh, might enjoy a, a bouquet, you know, get grab gather a couple of those extras and take them home with you. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Uh, in dismiss, I release you in the name of Jesus to go and to carry this word that has been put within us. It is meant to be released. It is meant not just to be carried, but to be released through you that the kingdom of God may be advanced. Amen? Hallelujah. So go in the power and the anointing and in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. 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 Have a great Mother's Day, everybody. Hallelujah.